Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Sunday sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship. We would love to hear how God has blessed your life. Reach out to us through social media or email us at scfellowshipchurch at gmail.com. Possessing God's blessings is not just, hey, God, I'm here. There is a journey that we must go on. And on that journey, there are going to be obstacles. There are going to be battles. There are going to be challenges that we're going to face. And we should be prepared for that battle. With so many issues going on in the world, it can be difficult to see the blessings of God in our lives. But just like the Israelites, God is taking care of us each and every day. Blessings are all around us. We just have to know how to possess them. That's the focus of my message today. Again, thank you for listening. May God bless you, and I hope you enjoy. Amen. I wanted to continue talking to you about possessing God's blessings. Uh, I think it was three weeks ago I preached possessing God's blessings. And it was all about uh, Deuteronomy chapter 11 and how Moses was talking to the children of Israel and they were headed towards the promised land. But the promised land didn't just, didn't just represent eternal life. It was a physical land that they were going to possess right then and there. And I related that to us. You know, God has a promised land for each of us and we're on a journey to get to that promised land. And it's not just eternal life that I'm talking about. Talking about here and now. God's not delaying our blessings until we get to heaven. He has wanted to pour blessings out upon us each and every day uh, while we're here on earth. He's promised us that land, you know? Relationships, jobs, uh, children, social ties, and everything in between. All that stuff God talks about covering as we head towards our promised land, if we'll just turn to Him. We just have to draw closer to Him and know His heart. And then last week at Easter, I was able to share with you about starting over and a blank page. But what came up in that sermon was talking about God's benefits package. And God's benefits package goes right in line with possessing God's blessing. That is God's benefits package. It's, it's allowing us the opportunity to have an abundant life here and now. How much of that abundant life that we absorb and receive from God is up to us? And depending on how close we draw to him and how much of his heart we, we know and understand and, and whether or not we follow his ways will determine how much of that abundant life we get to experience. But there is no doubt that we all get a chance to experience an abundant life and God's blessings and his benefits package. And so that's kind of what I want to talk to you today about is I want to continue talking to you about possessing God's blessings. And we're going to start in Deuteronomy, the 20th chapter today. And I'm going to start out reading to you verses 1 through 9. It says, when you go out to battle against your enemies and see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you, the ESV says an army larger than your own, do not be afraid of them for the Lord your God who brought you up from the land of Egypt is with you. When you're approaching the battle, the priest shall come near and speak to the people. He shall say to them, hero Israel, you are approaching the battle against your enemies today. Do not be faint hearted. Do not be afraid or panic or tremble before them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes before you to fight for you against your enemies, to save you. The officers also shall speak to the people, saying, Who is the man that has built a new house and has not dedicated it? Let him depart and return to his house. Otherwise he might die in the battle and another man would dedicate it. Who is the man that has planted a vineyard and has not begun to use its fruit? Let him depart and return to his house. Otherwise he might die in the battle and another man would begin to use its fruit. And who is the man that is engaged to a woman and has not married her? 
let him depart and return to his house. Otherwise, he might die in the battle, and another man would marry her. Then the officer shall speak further to the people and say, Who is the man that is afraid and faint-hearted? Let him depart and return to his house, so that he might not make his brother's heart melt like his heart. When the officers have finished speaking to the people, they shall appoint commanders of armies at the head of the people. You see, the children of Israel were on a journey. And on this journey, they were facing many challenges, many obstacles, many barriers on, on their way. They had many battles. And it's the same for us. As we go to possess the blessings that God has for us, it's not just easy peasy. That is unless you have, unless you do it God's way. But there's battles, there's obstacles, there's struggles in, in the way. But eventually, the Israelites, or rather their descendants, reached this promised land. They were able to enjoy this promised land. Okay? They, but they weren't without blessings along the way. They, they received deliverance from their captors in Egypt. They, they received manna from heaven when they were hungry. God later provided meat for them. They, they received water from a rock to quench their thirst. You see, they experienced blessings along the way. Some of the Israelites didn't receive the ultimate blessing, but it was due to their own willful disobedience, not anything God wanted for them. We are in the same boat. We're going to be met with many challenges, many battles, many obstacles as we receive the blessings of God that he has prepared for us. But he's also preparing us for battle because along the way to our promised land, there are going to be battles. Those blessings that we receive are God's pack benefits package for our life and possessing them is our opportunity. Look at what it says in James chapter 1, the second verse. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. See, that's one of God's benefits. When we, when we pursue God, when we do it his way, we'll lack in nothing. He says, consider it all joy. Be happy about having trials and tribulations. How can you have joy? Let me tell you why you can have joy. Because you can know that you're doing something right. The trials and tribulations you go through should be a testimony to you that you're on the path that God wants you to be on. Notice he says various trials. Sometimes we overcome one trial and we think we're done. There are various trials. There are different methods. They come one right after the other. Philippians says in chapter 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If we possess God's blessings, we'll lack for nothing. We'll have the peace of God always. But rest assured, we will be under constant attack as Christians. James says we'll encounter various trials. And then in Philippians, notice it said that you'd, you'd get the peace of God that, that surpasses all comprehension to do what? To guard your hearts and your minds. Let me ask you a question. Why do we need to guard our hearts and minds if we're not going to be in battle? You don't need to guard something if it's not going to be under attack for any reason. So, so there's a promise in there that we are going to get attacked. Remember C-SWAG? We talked about C-SWAG earlier this year. It stands for Christians stand with Almighty God. And we talked about how when we stand with Almighty God, people are going to take notice. I like how Abraham Lincoln said it. He said, sir, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side, for God is always right. And as Christians, when we stand with Almighty God, we can be assured that people will take notice. And when they take notice, they're either going to treat us as an asset, like in the days of Joseph, 
or they're going to treat us like a threat as in the days of Moses. And it's with the latter talking about the, the people that treat us as threats like in the days of Moses that I want to focus on today. You see, when people see us as a threat, they tend to want to eliminate us. It amazes me to see our political culture today. It seems to me when I was younger that, that our politicians were always fighting against each other because they, they had different methods. But it felt to me like anyway that we were headed towards a common goal. It's just one side wanted to get there doing it this way and the other side wanted to get there doing it this way. But nowadays, I see that this side doesn't just want to win the conversation. They want to totally destroy the opponent. They want to totally eliminate them. They're not just trying to say what they believe is wrong. They're trying to totally get them totally out of politics and out of life and make you and me believe that they're horrible, evil human beings. That's the enemy at work trying to eliminate us. You see, Moses continued talking to the children of Israel and preparing them for the next phase right before they went into the land, uh, the promised land. And in the 20th chapter, I read you verses 1 through 9. Uh, remember, Deuteronomy was written after the exodus from Egypt. It was after they'd seen all the plagues and after they'd seen the, the, uh, the, the miracles from God, the parting of the Red Sea. It was after Mount Sinai where, where Moses went up to the mountain and met with God and he came back down with the Ten Commandments. Uh, this was after that time. And God is still relaying messages to the Israelites through Moses. This time he's relaying battle information to them. And notice what it says in verse 1 again. Again, we're in chapter 20 of Deuteronomy. It says, when you go out to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army larger than your own, you shall not be afraid of them for the Lord your God is with you who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. The first part of that that sticks out to me is an army larger than your own. Now, I don't actually go to battle with armies physical, but I go to spiritual battles against armies. To me, that looks like when life is overwhelming. We're at our wits end. We don't know what to do. That's when the army seems larger than ours. It reminds me of a story about a, a mother that was just at her, at her wit's end. She, she was just, she was on the breaking point. Washing machine had broken down. Telephone wouldn't stop ringing. She had a migraine. And on top of that, she had just received a bill in the mail that she wasn't going to be able to pay. She didn't have the money for. So as her uh, one-year-old son was playing on the ground, she picked him up, put him in his high chair, and she just laid her head down on his tray and she just started to cry. She just wept. And it was at this time that her son, without a sound, without a word, took the pacifier out of his mouth and put it in hers. <laughs> you know, sometimes life can seem so overwhelming to us that we just want to suck on a pacifier and calm down. There are times when the obstacles we're facing seem insurmountable, when the enemy seems too large for us to overcome, when the challenges seem too daunting. Think about the emotional uh, issues we go through on a daily basis. If you're addicted to something, whether that be food or alcohol or drugs or anything else, the loss of a loved one. How about friendships that are toxic? When life just seems unfair, somebody cuts you off in, the, in, in traffic, uh, somebody cuts you off in the grocery store, and people don't do what you seem fair in your life, you want to uh, lash out. You know, I deserve that promotion or award instead of the other person. Or how about, you know, if you're the kid and you're, you're getting to the adult stage, but your parents are having a hard time letting you go. Or what if you're the parent that has that kid going to the adult stage and you're having a tough time letting them go and talking to them? It's tough to watch your loved ones make mistakes. But sometimes that's the only way we can learn is if we allow others to make mistakes. 
It's tough sometimes. We, we battle thoughts of, am I a good person? Am I a good mother? Am I a good father? These are all the kind of thoughts that continually bombard us. We've got to take those captive. You see, those are from the enemy. And these are the times in our life when the enemy seems too large, when the army seems too large for us to handle. But notice the second part says, you shall not be afraid for the Lord God is with you. Second Timothy 1.7 reminds us, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. It's not time for a pacifier to the mouth. It's time to go to battle. He then tells them who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. This is the second time in the last eight chapters, Moses has reminded the children of Israel where they come from and what they've seen. You see, sometimes we got to be told more than once. If you'll notice, you go back and listen to the sermons that God's had me been preaching. I've used a lot of the same scriptures. What's interesting is I didn't actually go into it with that in mind. I just was praying, writing stuff down as I was in, in prayer time. And as I'm looking back, I'm going, man, I've used that scripture before recently. I've used that scripture before recently. And God said, yeah, well, sometimes you need to be told more than once so it gets through. In verse 7 of chapter 11, remember, Moses had told the Israelites, for your eyes have seen all the great work of the Lord that he did. And, I, and we talked about how God doesn't just pass down stories for us to hear. He allows us to experience his greatness as well. So we build our own testimony. And Moses is telling them again in the 20th chapter, he said, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt? Don't forget what God has done for you. When we go into battle, we have to remember what God has already done for us. We have to have that testimony. Revelations 12, 11 is my favorite scripture of all time right now. And it says, for they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, loving not their own lives, even unto death. But their testimony was extremely important. The blood had already been shed. It's already been shed for all of us. All we have to do is build that testimony and remember that when we go into battle. And then notice what Moses says in the second verse of the 20th chapter. He says, and when you draw near to the battle, the priest shall come forward and speak to the people. That's the first person to address the army before they go to battle. That tells me the priest represent God's word. And we should always allow God's word to speak first before we go into battle. If we will allow God's word to speak first, we'll know we're not we're actually supposed to go into battle. Because you see, the Israelites were not going into battle for selfish reasons. They were going into battle because that's what God had ordained. They were going in because of the purposes of God. Again, remember, Abraham Lincoln said, Sir, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side, for God is always right. If you go into battle because God's leading you there, you are assured victory. If you go into battle without God leading you, I'll go out on a limb and say you're assured a defeat. The first thing we got to do is we got to let the priest speak into our life. We got to let God's word speak into our life. Then he, then he goes to the officers after the priest. In the fifth verse, it says, then the officers shall speak to the people. And what did the officers begin to do? They began to strengthen the army. How did they strengthen the army? By weeding out the weak, by weeding out those that were not focused and ready for battle. They began to strengthen the army by weeding out groups of people. It reminds me of my days wrestling. And no, not WWE for you teenagers watching. I'm talking about, you know, old school traditional wrestling like in high school. But it always uh, struck me as odd that we ran so much those first few weeks. And they always called it conditioning. Later in life, my, my coach became 
one of my good friends, and, and I became a coach, and so we began to talk a lot. And he shared with me that those first few weeks are for conditioning, but you get just as good a conditioning on the mat actually wrestling. He said what he was trying to do was weed out those that didn't really want to be there. And he knew if they couldn't survive the, the conditioning weeks, then they weren't going to survive the weeks of wrestling ahead of them. And uh, now he did say that you got to be careful with the heavier guys because they'll, they'll quit real quick on all that running stuff. And there's not as many of those guys to go around. So, you know, you got to kind of baby them a little bit. But, you know, when you got lots of people at certain weight classes, you know, you don't need everybody there. And so you let, you let them cut themselves by weeding them out. And then the other example that came to mind while I was thinking about this was when I went to college. And at college, we had to take a PE class every semester. And the very first one I took was badminton. I liked the idea of badminton, but I'd never really played it before. And I thought, hey, why not? I go in there for the first day, and the instructor comes in, and he doesn't even look us in the eye. He just walks by, and his first words out of his mouth, very serious, very stoic. And he looks at all of us, and he says, badminton is an Olympic sport. If you're in here for an easy grade, I suggest you leave now. I said, oh, my Lord, what have I gotten myself into? I started to get up and walk out. I, I really was in there for the easy A and just to play and have a big time. But, you know, I was raised by parents that wouldn't let me quit those classes. And so I just decided to stay. Well, it turns out he was doing the same thing. He was trying to weed out the riffraff, if you will, and get rid of those that were just going to mess up the class. And when he got through that process, which typically took a week, then man, we, we had a blast. It was so much fun, and he was never that stoic and that stern again. But he wanted to weed out those that were just going to cause problems and were not going to get us to our ultimate goal. When we go into battle, we need to take people that are ready for that battle. And I do want to say that the people that were excused from this battle didn't mean that they were bad people. Don't misunderstand me. It doesn't mean that they were bad people. It just means that for this coming battle, they were not ready. There were different things that were taking their focus away. Some of the things they talked about uh, in, in the fifth verse there, those that were involved in businesses, dedicating houses, planting vineyards, uh, burdened by social ties, getting ready to be married, engaged to be married, things like that, things that would take the focus away from the upcoming battle. And you know what I read from that is that we've got to be the same thing. We've got to do the same thing in our lives. If we're getting ready to go into a battle for finances, we need to take people with us that have a good track record and are prepared for that battle on finances. If they're not prepared for a battle on finances, it doesn't mean you don't like them. It doesn't mean they're not good people. It just means they're not there for you and you shouldn't have them there for you for that battle. If you're going in for healing, you better get some people on your side that know what they're doing with healing. You better take people to battle that are ready for that battle. Now, maybe that person that you wanted to seek for finances is not ready for that battle, but they're ready for the healing battle. Then go grab them and take them to that healing battle. And remember this. The example that came to mind was, or they said in there, was engaged to be married. You're not always engaged to be married. At some point, that passes. You're married, Okay. So that time in our lives where we're distracted and not focused on the battle does change. And so maybe that person is not able to be there for you for that battle that day. That doesn't mean we're done with them. A year from now, they might be the one that you go to for that exact same battle because they're ready to fight that battle with you. My grandfather had a theory in sales. Says, you know, you may not be ready for me to sell to you today, but tomorrow you may be. So I'm going to keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back. You know, a no today does not mean no tomorrow. And that's the same idea we have to have with battles. You know, I may have to tell you no today, but tomorrow may be a yes. And we got to take people with us that are ready for that battle. He talked about uh, not taking people that were deficient in personal qualifications, such as being fearful and faint hearted. And to me, that should go without saying. 
Sometimes we do get fearful. You don't want to take somebody into battle that is fearful, that is faint-hearted, that's not going to last for two reasons. One, they are not going to be worth much, but then it says they're going to infect everybody around them as well. So you really have to be careful who you're taking to battle with you. Jack Coe, an evangelist and one of the first faith healers in the United States, said, if you have worry, you don't have faith. And if you have faith, you don't have worry. The same thing happened during Gideon's time. God told him to weed out the army. And then God told him to weed it out even more. And I love that because with our physical eyes, it looks like, how are we going to win this battle? They got this massive army. We got a few people. But we got God right there. We're on God's side. And he is much bigger than any army that we are going to face. When you go to war, you better have people beside you with qualifications for the fight. Otherwise, it might just be your last night. So how do you know if you have the right people beside you? John Wesley said, let your words be the genuine picture of your heart. Another way to say this is you can tell what's in a person's heart by the words they use. And that reminds me of a story about a man who came to church to pray. And as he knelt down, the pastor knelt with him. And the first words the, the man said were, God, please clean out these cobwebs in my life. And before he could go on, the pastor interrupted and he said, no, God, kill the spider. We need people with us that are going to see those kind of things. Wayne McDeal, I've told you, is one of the favorite sayings I have. He said, the measure of a Christian is not the measure of his virtue, his ministry, his moral life, his stewardship, or any of the other criteria we usually cite. Though all of these elements of character are important, the true measure of the Christian is his faith. And you can see a Christian's faith by what's coming out of their mouth. Possessing God's blessings is not just, hey, God, I'm here. There is a journey that we must go on. And on that journey, there are going to be obstacles. There are going to be battles. There are going to be challenges that we're going to face. And we should be prepared for that battle. Not just with the full armor of God, but also heeding the advice that he gave the Israelites. Let me close with this. Again, he told them, don't fear. Woodrow Kroll, an evangelist, said, the only antidote to fear is faith. Remember your testimony. Remember what God has already done for you. When you start to get down, that should be your first source right there is to remember what God has already done for you. Seek God's word first. A lot of times we go and seek other people's advice first. We ought to seek God's word first. And then last but not least, thin the herd. Thin the herd. Go to battle with people prepared for that battle. Possessing God's blessings is something we should all be, be doing. We should all be trying to, to achieve. God has this package for us. He's not sitting there saying jump through these hoops to get it. He's saying, just draw closer to me. But a lot of us aren't even pursuing the blessings of God. We feel like we don't deserve the blessings of God. So in closing, let me just free you up one more time and say, you're absolutely right. You don't deserve the blessings of God. I don't deserve the blessings of God. That what's, that's what makes them a benefits package and a gift. God is giving you his benefits package. It's up to you to receive that benefits package and, and see those blessings along the way. You have an ultimate goal, an ultimate promised land, but don't miss the blessings that you're experiencing along the way. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. 
We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman, an elder at Southside, to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.